Welcome to the ACG New York Weekly Podcast. I'm Vic Magdani, Executive Director of ACG New York. Um, this podcast is open and for our members and the wider community in the middle market world of private equity. ACG New York and ACG Wider is, of course, the largest and most influential committee-steered member-based network for the global middle market private capital community. And the network focuses on promoting best practice, knowledge, intelligence for capital providers, industry executives, and those that service them, whilst providing a platform for concierge networking, deal-making, and fundraising. And today, we have with us our very special guest, Harry Krausman from Cushman and Wakefield. How are you today, Harry? Nice to be talking to you. I'm living the dream, Vic. Yeah. Under, under these crazy circumstances. <laughs> where, where, where do we find you today, Harry? Where, where, where's your setup? Uh, my office is in Manhattan, uh, but I live in Fairfield, Connecticut, and I've been here for the past uh, two and a half months. Yeah. Working remotely from home. Yeah. And how, how are you faring dur during this lockdown period? What are we in, in week 11, I think? It's something like that. Uh, you know, if you're going to be locked down, you know, Fairfield, Connecticut's a good place to be locked down. Yeah. Uh, everybody's very careful everybody's wearing masks and uh you know we take walks uh we we go to the beach not to hang out with a lot of people but to get some fresh air um we do a lot of cooking and and uh my basement is now clean my attic is clean and so is my garage <laughs> yeah well I'm, look we're all trying to keep ourselves sane and and busy during these times but what we have heard, Harry, and this is why I talked to you today, sir, and it's based off of a call we had yesterday and some of the great things you were talking about because of the work that you do. Um, of course, a lot, a lot of states have, have already softly started opening up businesses, offices, and, and trying to get back to economic normality. And, and with that, we see offices, places of work opening up or announcing that they will commence operations very soon. And that's what I thought we could discuss today, Harry, and what that will mean for the workforce and the workplace. There are just so many considerations that I'm sure our listeners and viewers will be very interested in, um, especially you being in the, in the real estate world. But before we get into that, sir, I thought we could find out a little bit more about you, your career to date, your remit at CMW. Um, just a bit of background, sir, please. Okay, happy, happy to oblige. Uh, so uh, I've been advising corporations uh, on their occupancy issues, uh, believe it or not, since 1974. Wow. Um, I've always represented the tenant rather than the landlord. And uh, my title is Executive Director of Cushman and Wakefield. And uh, what I do is I represent tenants uh, with uh, commercial tenants on any of their occupancy issues, uh, leases, subleases, mergers, acquisitions, uh, expansions, uh, dispositions, uh, anything that, uh, that my clients uh, have a need for, uh, whether it's a transactional type of a need or sometimes it's a consultative type of a need. Uh, if, if they want us to evaluate their lease, for example, if they're planning some renovations for their space, we can help them manage and oversee that. So uh, it's, it's office space, it's industrial space, and retail space. Uh, most of what I do is on the office side, uh, and most of what I do is on the leasing side. But I've done a fair amount of sales. Uh, I've done a fair amount of retail uh, transactions. 
and I'm currently working on, on several uh, industrial transactions from a couple of the uh, private equity clients that I have. Wow. So I'm certainly talking to the right person. 1974, you've, you've been there, done that, and worn the T-shirt, so to speak. I've seen a few cycles. Uh, <laughs> well, it's great. Well, look, I mean, Cushman and Wakefield are behemoth in the real estate world. Um, so uh, like you've alluded to, you, 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 you've done it all. But, um, and so very apt to be talking to you right now. So many, company, many companies, Harry, have, have announced that they will reopen in the next few weeks and months, whether that be in tranches, sporadically, or even not, not go back in at all. What have we heard and from whom and, 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 and how are most timing their re-entry back into the workplace? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, the answer is that there's no single answer, obviously. Uh, it's a question of being prepared to reopen. It's a question of risk and reward. You know, how, how soon, how quickly uh, can you uh, get people into the office? Um, to give you an example, I'll tell you a few things. Uh, BlackRock, Morgan Stanley, and UBS have announced they're going to open in June. Mm. Jeffries in July. Uh, NBC and Warner Media and uh, Twitter uh, in September. Amazon and Microsoft, and Microsoft in October. And Facebook, Zillow, and Google in January of 21. So it's all over the map. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, when you're a large corporation like a Google or a NBC or something like that, you have multiple offices. So it's not just a question of opening up one office. You've got hundreds of offices in different cities and different states and different countries. And so to coordinate all of that, uh, it takes a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. I think for the, you know, for the smaller companies, for the media and technology companies who maybe have 50, 100, 200 employees, uh, only have one location or maybe two locations, it's a little bit easier to, to manage. But it's, it's really a question of, uh, is, the, is the building prepared to accept you from a health and safety point of view? Mm. And are, are you, do you have all, all the uh, things in place, all the procedures in place uh, to have it happen? Uh, at Cushman and Wakefield, we're planning to open on June 15th. Uh, they, they're calling it phase one. And phase one uh, will invite about 25% of our employees uh, to the office on June 15th. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's really a question of, I suppose, the people who live in Manhattan will have an easier time of, of getting to the office as someone like me who lives in Connecticut and has to take the railroad in. So I'm not planning on being on the railroad anytime soon. So uh, we'll see how that unfolds. But uh, there are a number of issues. The, 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 the tenants should be in constant communication with their landlord to find out what is the landlord doing to prepare the building for occupancy. Uh, that means uh, hand sanitizers, uh, how do you push the elevator button in the lobby, how many people are allowed to be in an elevator at one time, masks, gloves, you know, and then once you get into the space, uh, how do you deal with the bathroom, touching the doorknobs, uh, you know, how do you do with social distancing? Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a whole host of things. So it's, it's, it's not just a question of, oh, okay, we can go in. It's a question of, are you prepared? Have you communicated with your employees? Have you set procedures in place um, and uh, dealt with the risks and the concerns of the employees about a safe workplace? Yeah. Now, you, you've, you know, before we can all get 
back out there into our places of work and you've mentioned some of them there there's just so many key considerations to ensure everyone's health and safety and other focus areas so again you've touched on a few of them there harry but what are those focus areas and, and how do leaders map those out before getting people back out there i mean is it is it in stages but what are the areas they must be considering before well, even announcing a, a get back to work yeah well there there are six main areas uh the first area is prepare the building all right <clears throat> so the, the building has to be in a safe condition safe environment um for for occupancy uh you have to find out in, in some cases or many cases uh, as part of the rent the landlord provides office cleaning as part of the rent and in the lease there's a schedule of what cleaning services the landlord is, is providing well, that cleaning schedule is going to have to be amended to take into account more cleaning, more sanitizing, and things over and above what the landlord has in, envisioned uh, originally. In other cases, uh, the tenants are responsible for the cleaning. Many of the technology and media companies are an older loft-type building where cleaning is not provided by the landlord. And in those cases, the tenant contracts directly with the cleaning contractor. So in both cases, whether the landlord does the cleaning or whether the tenant does the cleaning, there will be incremental costs for additional cleaning that the landlord will charge you over and above what the, his standards are and what your cleaning contractor will charge you for, for the additional cleaning that you're requiring of him. Uh, when someone has a conference, you need somebody to come in and wipe off the tables and, and get it prepared for the next meeting. So you've, you've got to be prepared for, you know, all, all of these things that get involved. And it's a trial by error kind of a thing. Um, many times the tenant will find out what he needs when things don't work the way uh, you, you need them to work. So, so the, the first aspect is to, is to prepare the building and to prepare your space. Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing is to prepare your workforce, you know, keeping in communication with your workforce, letting them know what you're up to, what the landlord is up to, what the new normal is going to be. And it's also going to involve technology, right? There, there are gonna be more Zoom calls. You know, more people will be working from home, whether on a permanent basis or a part-time basis. And so there's, there's a lot of things that, that need to be prepared uh, by, the, by the company uh, to make sure that the employees know what's going on, are comfortable that there's a procedure in place for everything, and a plan of phase one, of phase two, phase three, and so forth. Uh, the third uh, main uh, aspect is control access, um, having control of uh, getting into your space, you know, and, and, and what procedures need to be taken. Uh, you need to create a social distancing plan. So many companies up until the virus hit were doing predominantly open seating, mm -hmm. uh, whether that means in cubes or it could be in bench seating. The name of the game was densification. Well, now with densification, you've got issues because of the six-foot distance. Uh, and so uh, how do you, how do you uh, arrange your company and your employees? <clears throat> in the beginning, in phase one, it might be easier because you won't have a full complement of employees, so you can space them out differently. But as you start to fill in to phase two, phase three, and hopefully one day for full occupancy, decisions have to be made about, well, if, if most of my employees work in open, open seating 
am I going to need more office space to create more open seating? Or conversely, am I going to have to create more private offices to give people the, the privacy and the security? In, in both cases, it will either require alterations of the existing uh, facility or it may require taking offices elsewhere to expand your operation. Uh, it, it's conceivable that many companies can continue to work from home, many of the employees. If that's a permanent solution, well, you know, the, the, there has to be a decision made about that. Hmm. Uh, one of the downsides or one of the concerns about working from home is the social interaction. So, for example, in my case, I'm a transactional, you know, consultative type of a person. <clears throat> so I'm usually meeting with clients, prospective clients, and, and things of that nature. There are things that I can do from home, but I'm not as efficient, to be honest. I'm not as efficient working from home as I am in being in the office. Uh, putting on a, a, a tie and a jacket, get, getting on the train, having an office, having my administrative assistant with me, having the social interaction and the business interaction with the employees uh, in, in my office. There's, there's really no substitute for that. And so um, my sense is that most people will not want to work home on a permanent basis. They may want to work home two or three days a week, mm. but you really need the social interaction and, and, and the, uh, I call it vibrations, uh, uh, between employees uh, in, in the office. Um, the other thing uh, is to reduce the touch points. I mean, maybe most doors can stay open. For example, the reception door. If you can keep your reception door open, so that nobody has to touch the doorknob to come in, that's terrific. Obviously, you can't do that in a laboratory, so arrangements would have to be made about how to do that, whether it's um, wipettes or whether it's having uh, sanitizers near the door um, and, and things of that nature. So those are, the, those are some of the things, and, and of course, the increased cleaning. Um, and the last point, which I think I mentioned already, has to do with uh, communications uh, with your employees. Uh, the, the more they are in tune with what your plans are and what your strategy is, the more comfortable they'll feel that they're being taken care of and they'll, they'll be safe in the office. Mm. So it's a question of, to summarize, uh, it's the building things, the security and the safety of being in the building, and then it's the security and the safety within your office, and then the relationship issues, the seating issues, and, and so forth. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's not one size that fits all, but if, if you take those things into consideration, you can develop a plan. Yeah. Now, Cushman and Wakefield are, are obviously one of the biggest asset managers, real estate asset managers on the planet, including, and I didn't know this, within China. So I guess you've learned a lot from, from them opening back up out there that you can incorporate into your clients here. So how are you... Having said that, how are you going about helping your occupiers move back in? And with that, how can occupiers prepare their workforce to do so? So there's two real key variables here, preparing the workforce and preparing the workplace. So talk us through how Cushman and Wakefield are, are mapping all this out. Well, most of the procedures and most of the research and, and deliverables that we provide are based upon our experiences in China. Mm. So we, we didn't make it up. Uh, we, we have the advantage, as you mentioned, of being a large uh, occupier and a large service provider in China. Uh, we manage uh, properties for landlords, <coughs> excuse me, commercial properties 
uh, in approximately 800,000 square feet throughout China. Wow. And so China is a different environment and they have a different type of a government and uh, it's obviously not democratic. So when the government says do this, everybody does this, <laughs> you know. So it, it, it's, it's uh, because of the cultural and the, and the political issues, it's a little bit different. But all the things that I, I mentioned previously with the safety of the building, the safety of the, of the space, the cleaning, the communications, and all of those factors that I discussed really come from the experiences that we've seen in China. So we have an advantage of that because they came first. Mm -hmm. So we, 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 we see how, we've, how they've dealt with it, how we've helped them to deal with it, and uh, we, we apply it today. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to some of those workplace considerations, Harry, because I'm just fascinated by it all. Fascinated in the sense that I'm just intrigued what it will all look like, you know? Common areas, elevators, workstations, conference rooms, restrooms. Will we be socially distanced? Masks on, gloves on, X number of people at any one area in the same time. What will the workplace on a day-to-day -day basis look like, Harry? Certainly in the short term. I, I just can't fathom it all. I know you talked about it a little, but maybe you can expand. I'm just I, I, I'm sure our viewers want to know. And, and actually, I've spoken to a lot of PE shops that you mentioned a few behemoths there, but some middle market folk, some industry executives that are thinking about opening up their own offices, but they're asking these very same questions. What will it all look like? Well, uh, one of the things that we, we have as a resource is, is we can provide to any of your listeners at their request uh, a, a slide deck mm -hmm. of the, the basic points clients, the tenants have to be uh, aware of. Um, and we can, we can provide that. Well, I, I sent you a copy and uh, anybody can request it of me or of you yep. to yep. give you the hard facts. But uh, I like to put things in the, the least common denominator. And so uh, it's, it's a question of two things. If, if you think in terms of risk reward, and then you think in terms of common sense, if your, if your framework is how it used to be, you're gonna have a tough time because it's, it's never gonna be like it used to be. Even when there's a vaccine, it's never gonna be like it used to be. And so it's a question of how do you keep your workforce safe? How do you keep your employees confident and comfortable? And what's the new business procedure? Um, and so uh, if we provide you with an outline of all the in, in critical bullet points, uh, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I would say, put together a plan and then compare it with other companies, people who you know. So other people in your industry, whether they're competitors or whether they're affiliates or whatever it is, everybody's going through the same line of questioning and the same uncertainty. Mm. So by communicating with others, uh, you can hear what they're doing that's working or not working. And a lot of this is gonna unfold once the office environment is open, right? So you're gonna open the environment, you think you know what you're gonna be doing, and then some of it's gonna work and some of it's not gonna work. And so you'll, you'll, just, you'll just have to adjust. Hmm. It's unbelievable, but I'm reimagining the future here, Harry. And as you talk, I ask myself, there's a lot of unknowns and we have to adjust and wondering whether it's all worth the hassle. <laughs> 
for the most part, we've realized that we can work from home or X number of days from home. It's certainly cheaper. But what are organizations lacking without an office or workplace environment? I mean, do people want to come back? If not, will it affect culture, innovation, recruitment? We've got 35 plus million people unemployed. Does a new workplace model support new labor sources? I'm, I'm asking all these questions. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are too, but is it worth it? Oh, what's the alternative? <laughs> yeah, true. Oh my Lord. <laughs> you can, uh, you know, pack up your bags and retire. But, no, uh, I'm not suggesting that, but you know. Well, look, Harry, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm working out. I won't go into telling you who the landlord is, but our lease and you know, to stay, to discontinue. And you ask yourself, well, actually, and then and we, our vagaries are not as many people as say some of those bigger firms that you mentioned, but um, you ask yourself the calculus of this all and actually whether it be one person or a hundred, will it be safe? Well, let me put it to you this way. Uh, working from home is not a new idea. People have been working from home for a long time. Uh, my son, one of my sons works for GE. Uh, he sells digital x-ray equipment to hospitals and large medical groups. He has never had an office. Yeah. GE gives him a corporate credit card, gives him a car, gives him a laptop. And he has a manager who he speaks to offline. He's transactional also. And uh, he has regular scheduled in-person meetings with his manager. He'll get on a plane or I'll get into his car and every couple of months they'll get together and have a meeting yeah. outside of the Zoom and, and the other things. Uh, my daughter is a recruiter. She works from home. Her company is based in California. Uh, they source the jobs and she finds the, uh, the applicants for the jobs or the prospects for the jobs. Mm -hmm. It's all done on the computer. It's all done on email. She rarely has to go to California, although sometimes she does. And that's how it works. My son owns his own business. He works from home, you know? And so uh, if it's a, a small operation, if it's a little sales office or there's two or three people or six people, uh, it, it works. It doesn't work for everybody. Uh, it, it's, hard to it's hard to have your professional head on when you're wearing pajamas, you know? And, yes. and you, know, yes. you, you need the structure. But the, the wheel has been invented. So what I'm saying is, um, I'm sure that many of your, many of the people listening to this podcast uh, have other friends, neighbors, people who they know, who, who have employees who work from home. Yep. You can find out from them, you know, what are the pluses and the minuses. I don't think personally, I don't think working from home 24 seven or five days a week uh, is, is, the, is the best way to do it. No, uh, I would I, agree. For myself, I'll take myself. So uh, if I do research, I can do it from home. I do analysis, I can do it from home. I can review a lease, I can do it from home. But how do I show office space to a prospect? You know, how do I yeah. go to a building and have eight people go into an elevator and go look at office space? You know, so there's a solution to it, but it really requires the landlord's cooperation. So for example, what we can do is instead of using a passenger elevator, we can use a freight elevator, which is a larger cab, can accommodate more people safely. Everyone has to have a mask. 
in most cases, we ask people to face the wall so they're not breathing on each other. Uh, and you, you, you know, it might not be 100% perfect, but it's, it's, it's secure enough and it's safe enough where people feel comfortable about doing it. Mm. So an accounting department of a, of a large corporation, they don't necessarily have to be in the office. HR doesn't necessarily have to be in the office. So all these, these essential components of a, of a company which don't require day-to-day -day interaction or aren't in a uh, transactional type of an environment, they can work from home. Yeah. And you, have, you, you, you just have to figure it out. Trial and error and communication with other companies because we're all going through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm certainly not suggesting that we all work from home or just quit. No way. I'd lose my mind. But obviously, you know, I'm very much client facing and I, I certainly used to go over to clients offices. And I, at this point, I want them to be ready with whatever it is that they need to be ready with in the building so that I know I'm safe. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. I have a client uh, that uh, is, is looking for industrial space in the boroughs. I've arranged a tour for him to go out and look at four or five buildings. I'm not going to be there. Mm -hmm. I've set the agenda. I've made the appointments. I've, I've told each agent what time my client is going to be there. I've given each of them their respective cell numbers so they can stay in communication with each other. And if there's any problem, give me a call. Yeah. But my client goes out, he meets the agent at the appointed time. They go through the building and then he goes on to the next one. If he's running late, you can give him a call on a cell phone. I'm running 10 minutes late and so forth. It's not ideal for me. I like to be on those yeah. tours, but it's not a bad ideal. It's about, you know, what works. If my client has a requirement and he, and he has to go out and look at options, this is a way to get it done. Mm. So we all have to figure it out. Yep. And, and I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but I'm going to ask, um, there are certain industries that are actually faring quite well in this time, technology being one. So what part does technology have to play in all of this, Harry? Uh, you know, IoT, biometric, no-touch access via your phone, virtual receptions, well-being applications to monitor health. Will we start to see, or have we already started to see all of that? Well, I think a lot of it depends on the size of the company. Um, you know, a company that has five people, it's not that difficult. A company that has 500 people, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more difficult. But the larger companies have more resources and they can, they can go out and, and create the needed technology. Well, for example, these Zoom meetings that suddenly everyone is, is doing, <clears throat> they may be the substitute for a conference room. You know, instead of, instead of eight people going into a room, even if they're in the office, they won't go into the room. They'll set up a Zoom from within the office. So there are, there are things that, that can be done, but it's, uh, it's really a question of, A, the size of the organization, the resources that the company has to, to purchase and, and, and use the technology, and also how much of it is, is needed. Mm. I've got to ask, Harry, because it's plaguing my mind, and it's about rent relief. And I don't know if that varies from state to state, but is it possible, and I'm being selfish in asking this, is it possible to get rent relief from the landlord at this time? Because I won't mention who my landlord is, because they've been quite difficult, but is it possible? And how do I go about doing that? 
the, the short answer is yes, it's possible. Uh, right. Um, the, the long answer is uh, it depends on who your landlord is, whether they're an institutional landlord or whether they're a family landlord, or whether mm -hmm. they're a partnership of uh, a couple of guys that, that bought a building. Um, and it's also a function of the financial wherewithal of the, of the company, of the tenant. So for example, if a company is operating in the red and they go to the landlord for rent relief, the landlord may say, these guys are not gonna make it anyway. So why am I gonna give them rent relief? <laughs> you know, but if, if you're an Apple, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a large, if you're a Christian at Wakefield, uh, you can go to the landlord and more often than not, the landlord will come up with some sort of a mutually acceptable solution. Uh, an example, <clears throat> Uh, some some landlords have been willing to take the number of months that a tenant doesn't pay rent and add it to the end of the lease. So if you haven't paid rent for four months or five months, you'll have to sign an agreement with the tenant, with the landlord, that your lease will extend an additional four or five months. So the landlord gets his money at some point, but in the short term, you've got some rent relief. Mm. Sometimes uh, I've seen other, other landlords agree to take that lump sum amount, let's say it's $300,000, and take that and amortize it over a couple of years. So maybe your rent goes up a few hundred dollars a month or a few thousand dollars a month instead of paying it you know, all up front. And then there are, there are different permutations. Um, but certainly the, it, would be, it would be smart, and the, and the landlords expect this, for the tenants to come to them and, and ask for some sort of rent relief. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of buildings, particularly in Manhattan, cheekily, I think, stay open. So you may defer your rent payments and then say, you know, but will I, well, I'm not there or whoever the tenant may be is not there, but the building is open. And so you ask the question, will I still get the 12 months that I've paid for, say it's a year? And the answer is no, because they're open. So you're just not there. So that's quite cheeky. No, no, uh, it's, it's not quite that way. Uh, in no? the first place, uh, I know New York State, and I assume other states in the union, yeah. uh, have initiated uh, laws prohibiting landlords from evicting tenants for non-payment of rent during the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. So they can't kick you out. But what if you're deferring payment, so you're not getting kicked out, but you then say, well, I'm paying for the entire tenure, but they won't give you the number of months that you originally signed up for because what the building is open, but you're not there. What do you mean they're not giving you the number of months? So say I signed up for 12 months. Uh, a 12 month lease? Is that what yeah, you're for yeah. example. Right. And, and I say, well, I'm not there, so I'm not going to pay for April, May, or June. Let's pick three months. And the, the answer is, okay, fine, defer your payment. So in um, July, August, September, you know, we'll factor it in. All right, great. We'll, so I'm eventually going to pay for, for all my dues. Will I then get the 12 months that I've originally paid for? So I wasn't there for three months. I'm eventually going to pay for the three months. Will, I make, will you make sure that I get the 12 months? And well, the answer is no, because we're open right now. No, 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 no. Once, once they accept the deferment of the rent, mm -hmm. 
and add it on. So let's say let's say you're in the third month of a 12 month lease. Yes. Right. And yep. now you don't pay rent for four months. Yeah. You add the four months to the end of the lease. Yeah. You got nine months. You have to go. Yep. Plus the end. So you're going to get your 12 months. It's just going to take a little longer for the 12 months to uh, to expire. All right. Well, I'm hearing otherwise from some landlords. Well, listen. Landlords, mine. The, the, the first answer that the landlord's going to give is no. Yeah, always. I'm sorry, I wish I could help you. Every tenant is calling me. I can't have... The bind that the landlords are in is this. Uh, the landlord has a mortgage. Mm. And he has an obligation to pay the monthly maintenance of that mortgage every month. And if 50% of his tenants don't pay the rent, how is he going to pay the mortgage? So what the landlord is going to have to do is go to the lender and say to the lender, listen, good news, bad news. Good news, my building is full. Bad news, I'm only getting 50% of the rent. I can't afford to pay my mortgage or not, not 100% of my mortgage. So the landlord is going to have to work out some arrangement with the lender. Because in the same way that the tenant and the landlord have a relationship, the landlord and the lender have a relationship. Yes. Then is the landlord uh, a community bank? Is the lender a community bank? Is it Citibank? Is it a CMBS? Is it an institution? Is it a MetLife mortgage? You know, who is it? And uh, the more institutional the, the, the lender is, more red tape there's going to be uh, about doing it. But at the end of the day, something's got to give, right? Yeah. So yeah. There, 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 there will be some solution, amenable solution, because I don't think the bank wants to take over the default. No. Building. They yeah. just want their money every month, right? So you, you just have to work it out. And that's where communication and relationship come into play. Yeah. If so I say any more, everyone will work out who I'm talking about. So I'll stop there. But you've helped me out. Harry, this has been fascinating. There's so much we can talk about. We're all soon to be out there. We're, some of us have already started to, to get back out there in our workplaces. But um, you alluded to a presentation that Cushman and Wakefield have, have compiled. Um, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll post your details up with this podcast uh, and it will be aggregated on ACG New York TV as well with your details. And they can probably contact you for, for, the, for the presentation if you don't mind. Sure. But um, happy to do that. Happy to have a conversation over the phone to get into the weeds. Brilliant. And I think maybe we'll, we'll do a webinar or something out of this because there's, there's so many more questions that are coming to mind as well, but I don't want to take up more of our allotted time. But any passing thoughts, Harry? You know, we're all in the Maya. You're in the thick of it, being in the real estate world. A lot of considerations. Any, any final few thoughts before we, we bid, bid you adieu? Uh, yeah, think positive. <laughs> most, most, most people don't like the unknown and most people don't like change you know in my business one of the challenges that companies have when they move is their employees go crazy how am I going to get to work where am I going to have lunch you know where am I going to sit where are my windows going to face <laughs> you know people people go crazy when they don't know you know, and uh, that, that's why 
most commuters are like lemmings, you know, they get into their commuter mindset and then they just go, they don't think about it. Yeah. But when, a, when a pandemic happens or when a, a situation like this happens, um, people need to m be made to feel comfortable. And that comes with communication and relationship and a good solid plan. And that's, it's, that's what it is. And as time goes on, as I said, you, most companies are not going to get it right the first time because we've never been there before. But if you keep your eyes open, try, try things. Some things will work. Some things won't work. You may get resistance from certain employees or others. And you adjust the plan. Yeah. If we have another one of these calls a month from now or two months from now, you know, there'll, there'll be more data and more experience from which we can, we can uh, share with our uh, listeners. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, it's a new paradigm that we're all in and sound advice to stay positive within it and accept the change that is to come. Harry, thank you so, so much for your time. It's been, it's been great talking to you. I could go on, I have lots more questions, but uh, we'll do something for our members in the wider community for a follow-up. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, thanks for inviting me. Cheers, bye-bye.